When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. best English language Fiorentina podcasts on the internet. Welcome to Viola Station. Hey everybody, just Tito here today, no Mike, and if that feels weird, well, yeah, feels weird to me too. Uh, the reason is that we're trying to make this podcast a little bit more regular instead of the once a month thing we've been doing. You know, it's tough to get both of us and producer Mike all in at the same place at the same time, since we've all got a fair number of other things going on in our real lives. Uh, we'll mostly, you know, just talk about the news, although I don't doubt that we'll fit in some ranting as well. But we'll try to keep them down to, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. Uh, don't worry, we'll keep running the usual episodes whenever we can. Uh, these little guys are just going to be the extra content with a capital C. Uh but yeah, anyways, to keep this feeling a little more normal, uh, hey Tito, what am I drinking? And it's a uh, it's a beer from Aslan Brewing called the Beeham Brown. It's a uh, really good. Doesn't involve any kind of pig leg. Uh, Aslan, which is yeah, spelled like the lion. It's up in Bellingham, north of Seattle, and they make really good beers. Check them out if you're ever in the in the neighborhood. Uh, the other thing we usually do at the start of these things is a. Uh, do the birthdays and so uh we got a couple actually uh the first one is one Rocco Camiso turning 74 on Friday of last week the day after Thanksgiving and uh it's no secret that Viola Nation isn't his favorite organization in the world but I'd still like to wish him a happy birthday I'm not going to offer him any gifts because there's not really much I can give a billionaire that would even register for him but I hope you'll all join me in celebrating him by hoping that his uh, team succeeds and that whatever changes he needs to make to ensure that that happens are simple and pleasant. Um, and then a, a week after Rocco's birthday, so Friday the 2nd of December, 
is the 50th birthday of one Francesco Toldo. He's an he's an all timer. He might be Fiorentina's greatest ever goalkeeper. He was a star on those uh, golden Baristuta and Rui Costa teams from '93 to 2001. Now he won a couple of Coppa Italia on the way, and became Fiorentina's uh, most used goalkeeper ever with 336 appearances, and that's also good for eighth uh, all time in the on the club leaderboard. Uh, he was Serie A's goalkeeper of the year in 2000, and uh, earned 28 caps for Italy, including a run to the final in Euro 2000, despite having to deal with a generation of goalies, including Gianluigi Buffon and Gianluca Pagliuca and Angelo Peruzzi at the same time. Uh, even though his kids support Inter Milan rather than Fiorentina, which we'll try not to hold them too accountable for, they're allowed to choose what they want, even if it's wrong. Uh, he's he's still one of your favorite players. I think even when he was sold during the Chekigori fire sale, he refused to move to Parma, which started a sort of hilarious goalkeeping carousel that saw him, uh, Buffon and Sebastian Frey all kind of swap places. I mean, you know, real legends make sure that uh, even when they leave, the team is set. And he made sure that Seba Frey was on his way in. So Auguri Gianluca, and yeah, may the next half century be as good as the first one. Uh, all right. Anyways, moving on to more topical things. Uh, I suppose I'll have to talk to talk about the World Cup here. I'm going to be honest. I haven't watched all that much of it this time around, which feels weird. Uh, for the past dozen years, I've seen at least one and often three group stage games per day. Probably caught about three-fourths of the knockout games, too. And this year, though, I'm just not as into it. Uh, part of that is that I live on the west coast of the U.S., and the time zone differences mean that the first kickoff is impossible and the remaining games are hard for me since I usually have work or class or my own soccer games to get to. Uh, I also have a lot of trouble getting myself psyched up for this tournament, though, just given all the horrific things that are coming with it, the loss of life, the bigotry, the corruption, the disruption of the entire schedule of the sport. I know that's some of that stuff is the case for every World Cup in the past and will be the case for everyone in the future, uh, including the Canada-USA-Mexico thing in 2026. So I'm, I'm not trying to pick specifically on Qatar here, although in some ways I also am. Uh, yeah, Viola Nation is going to try to call out all the bad stuff in the next World Cup, but also at this one. And, you know, it, it feels significant that I don't want to watch it. Like, I, I love the game. Like, I love watching it, playing it, talking about it, writing about it. And I just can't be asked with it now. I'm not saying that everyone else should feel this way. Everyone gets to make their own choice here, right? Uh, I'm not even saying that anyone else should feel this way, although I suspect that a whole lot of folks do. But taking the World Cup and making it not fun, well... <laughs> That is a hell of an achievement. So well done, FIFA. Well done, Qatar. And anyways, let's go ahead and tie it back into Fiorentina now. The, I'll open up with Argentina, which, you know, obviously doesn't feature a Fiorentina player right now. And boy, it feels like they should. I know this isn't a particularly original thought, but they they seem like they're missing Nico Gonzalez so badly. Uh, too many of their attackers, especially their wingers, I think, want the ball into feet, and they'll drift narrow, they'll drift deep, clog the middle of the field, and that obstructs Leo Messi's space and compresses the field for him. Uh, Nico 
is very willing to run in behind. I think he'd be the perfect target for those messy passes in behind the opposing fullback. And we've seen several times, I think, Argentina's players just not make that run or get it wrong and instead kind of move towards him to provide that short option. I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, Julian Alvarez, who's very much a get-in-behind-striker more than a come-deep-for-the-ball striker, just every time he comes on makes Argentina look so much better because he adds that that aspect of verticality that I think they really, really needed from Nico. Uh, but yeah, anyways, the, the two Fiorentina players who have featured so far, however, have been absolutely fantastic. I'll, I'll start with Nikola Milenkovic, who was truly outstanding against Brazil in general and against Neymar in particular. I mean, sure, he was a bit loose with the ball at times, I guess, but Serbia never really looked like building anything from the back, so whatever. Uh, what I'm more interested in is the fact that he locked down his side of the pitch as well as anyone is going to against this Brazil attack. Uh, he swept up behind his teammates, he dominated in the air, and he made some absolute Hollywood tackles. Uh, and, you know, I, I genuinely never want to see any player get hurt. Uh, the fact that he took out Bolsonaro supporter extraordinaire Neymar while leaving Richarlison, who has been very much the opposite, unscathed, made me very happy, even though, you know, as, as someone with a Brazilian grandfather, I still want to see the Celisau do well. But, but you know, cheers to, cheers to uh, Nihola for being the people's champ and uh, taking out the right Brazilian attacker. Uh, the other one is uh, Sofian Amrabat, and he's been, I think, at least as impressive in his two games so far. I did his usual cosplay as a tank, which, you know, bald guy, Fiorentina midfielder. He might actually be Giulio Migliaccio. Uh, dominated one of the most heralded midfielders midfields in the world. Uh, you know, shackled Luka Modric and Marcelo Brozovic and Mateo Kovacic almost single-handedly. Uh, he was just everywhere all the time, helped keep Croatia from creating anything through the middle, turned the whole match into just a, a matter of attrition, which he's always very happy to do. Uh, he was good on the ball, too, I thought. Moved it forward well, and although his highlight was probably a goal line clearance off corner to keep it level. I I haven't watched the Belgium game, honestly, but from what I can gather, he was just as good, uh, even if Belgium are almost certainly filling the role of the serious contender that gets bounced in the group stage, which somebody has to do every World Cup. Uh, not surprising that we've already heard the rumor mill crank itself into gear, insisting that you know various sides are monitoring him. Uh, sounds like Spurs might be at the top of the list. Uh, they, they tried to grab him last winter, and Antonio Conte apparently loves him, but uh, Vincenzo Italiano sounds like he's desperate to keep Amrabat around. And the Viola are going to try to tie him down to an extension. And uh, yeah, if that last part gave you a sense of grim foreboding, well, congratulations, you're a real Fiorentina fan. And do you understand what Fiorentina trying to tie someone down to an extension means? Uh, yeah, no no real surprise. I don't think that Luka Jovic hasn't played at all, just given the quality in front of him for Serbia. And I'm, I'm obviously talking about Aleksandr Mitrovic. And I don't really expect him to make more than a cameo appearance, barring injury. Uh, the only other Viola player who's available was Shimon Zhukovsky, who looks nailed to the bench and probably won't play either. I, I do think what's interesting with him uh, is Poland man manager Cheslav 
Michniewicz, I think. Sorry, Poland. Uh, anyways, the mister's comments about Big Z. I talked about how the player looked really sharp in qualifiers at the start of the domestic season, but was slower and worse when he arrived in Qatar. And I think it's awfully hard not to see that as a critique of how Fiorentina have treated Tchaikovsky. And uh, I think that Michniewicz probably has a point. And, you know, normally I, I wouldn't think this is a huge deal. Like sometimes for whatever reason, a good player just doesn't gel at a club and that's okay. Uh, what worries me though, is how Zhukovsky's being handled specifically. Uh, this is a guy who's been largely ignored by Italiano, only gotten 77 minutes this year and has suffered a uh, quote unquote injuries that have kept him training uh, apart from the rest of the squad for a lot of the season, despite the fact that he's obviously healthy enough to play in the World Cup. You know, that's a little shady. I, I think the real problem, though, is the report that Fiorentina offered to extend his contract a month ago. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, you know, every rumor, it's impossible to know if that's true. Like, some of these reports come from teams, some come from the players, from the agents, from the fevered brains of the media and like I, I get that i'm sort of vaguely included in that brain fever category so not criticizing anyone here uh but if it's true that the viola offered Jakovsky a new contract i'm i'm really concerned about that the dude clearly isn't in the club's plans this year and hard to imagine that changing uh for as long as italian is in charge and th this sort of disconnect i think between the manager and the management is a great way to derail a team that's made a lot of difficult progress in a relatively short amount of time. And it makes me wonder uh, what other shenanigans are occurring behind the scenes. I mean, the the failure to offload guys like Zhukovsky, Benassi, Ranieri has led to a bloated roster that, you know, we've discussed that at length. But if the idea is to renew Big Z, despite his obvious lack of fit with the rest of the team, I think we're in trouble because the folks running this show don't know what they want at all. And that is uh, one of the scariest things I can imagine for Fiorentina right now. And uh, while I'm talking about management, uh, I suppose this is probably the right moment to bring up the transfer market too, since that's what we're doing constantly, uh, since there's you know not really any other uh, soccer stuff going on at the moment, right? I'm not normally a huge fan of following transfer rumors since about 40% of them are pure media invention after someone claims that they heard Club X is interested in player Y just to get a story going. Uh, another 40% of them are obviously originating with agents looking to get their clients a pay bump. And I'd say the remaining 20% have like at least maybe a kernel of truth in them. So yeah, not really my thing, but I'll, I'll touch on some of the more credible ones that I've heard. Uh, in the past, I don't know, week or so. Uh, yeah, I've written on the site already about the interest in Abdelhamid Sabiri. I don't think anything's real different from when I wrote that a few days ago. Uh, he's, he's a nice player, and he clearly wants out at Sampdoria because they're just trash. So he's definitely available. Uh, he scored against Belgium today, which is only going to increase his profile and probably his price tag, but I... <laughs> I just don't see the fit for Fiorentina. Uh, Giacomo Bonaventura and Antonin Barak have really found their feet for Fiorentina as the uh, as the new number 10s. I don't think it's any coincidence that they've both been scoring pretty freely since moving into that role. And uh, Gaetano Castrovilli is training again with the team and should for push for minutes in that position as well. 
Uh, Sabiri can also play out wide, but I don't necessarily see him as an upgrade on Christian Kwame or Ricardo Sotil, both of whom are expected to be ready when the season resumes, or in Sotil's case, at least uh, uh, probably in, in February, it sounds like. Uh, Fiorentina have plenty of holes in the roster, you know, but uh, an attacking midfielder you can play on the on the wing as well isn't really one of them. And I'll add that I'm especially leery about grabbing players from World Cup teams this year because they're all going to go back to their domestic duties just absolutely exhausted. I mean, that happens in regular World Cups too, where stars effectively burn themselves out at the tournament and don't get their legs under them for another year. Uh, but I think that effect is going to be magnified in these just absurd circumstances. So anyone who's doing all that extra work in training and then in matches is going to be particularly vulnerable to injury or just being too tired to play at their best. And uh, yeah, it, it goes without saying that, you know, between that and in a, a compressed season already, that's seen a lot of teams play, you know, twice a week way more than they normally would. Uh, I'd, I'd very much prefer Fiorentina to avoid that particular banana peel. Uh, the the other guys mentioned at transfer rumors are, if I'm honest, uh, just about equally baffling, a lot of them. Uh, again, I've already written about this a little bit, so I'm not going to go real in-depth here, but the, the glut of number 10s on this team is uh, a little bit ridiculous. So the idea of moving for... Luis Alberto from Lazio. I mean, he'd, he'd be an upgrade. Sure, he's a fantastic player, but he would be very expensive in terms of wages. And I think Lazio, even though Maurizio Sarri doesn't want him, uh, are still asking for $20 million. And also the reason that Sarri doesn't want him is that he doesn't do the, the hard running, the defensive work. And that makes me think if he won't do that for Sarri, he might not really do it for Italiano either which means he could still be a little bit of a problem, not really, you know, kind of a, a square peg, round hole thing. Uh, Eppoli's Nedim Bayrami is younger, and he offers a lot of upside. I think he could wind up being a really good player. Uh, but right now, I don't see him as an improvement over any of the tens on the roster, frankly. And I think he can basically just rinse and repeat that for every attacking midfielder the Viola get tied to in the in the rumor mill this this winter. I'm a little more interested in some of the chatter about the central midfielders. Uh, Roberto Pereira seems to have coalesced kind of as the uh, the top name, and I'm into that. And he'll turn 32 this season, and he did used to play for Juventus, so neither one of those are great. But he can play anywhere in midfield as a holder, as a box-to-box -box guy, a trequartista, a winger. Uh, he's even filled in at wingback for Udinese this year. And he'll always give you a little bit of a spark, I feel like, with his technique and his energy. I do worry that he's a little too similar to Jack Bonaventura, but getting a good a good player for the bench wouldn't hurt at all. And Pereira is a good player. I mean, he nearly made the Argentina squad this year, uh, despite playing for Watford and Udinese for the past six seasons. For the right price, I don't know, $5 million maybe? I'd, I'd be interested. He should be pretty cheap, given that his contract's up in 2023. So Udinese, if they want to get anything for him, have to sell him now. Uh, the other midfield name is also an Argentinian, sorry, an Argentinian on the fringes of the national side, and it's Bologna's Nicolas Dominguez. 
Now he's a more of a deep line playmaker. His primary attribute is getting his team up the field with his line breaking passing. So I feel like he'd be a really good fit next to Amrabat in a double pivot. I, he doesn't do anywhere near the same amount of defensive work, I don't think, but he can hold his own. He's not a disaster back there. And I can see him being a, a pretty significant upgrade over Rolando Mondragora. But even worst case scenario, I think he'd offer more depth in the engine room. Uh, Bologna are also reportedly interested in Zhirkovsky. So a swap deal could be the solution. Although, I mean, those those just have so many moving parts. They're, I think they're much more popular amongst fans and sports writers than they are with the actual teams themselves. And uh, one last name to uh, throw out there is Jeremy Boga. Uh, he's clearly on the way out at Atalanta. Just he doesn't fit there. I I don't get why they why they bought him, even though they got a great deal for him initially. Uh, he clearly needs to play out wide in in Gasparini's system with that uh, that sort of narrow tridente he never gets to and he just looks so uncomfortable when he's played through the middle to me uh just doesn't have the same amount of space to uh to run at opponents uh i mean again i don't think that fiorentino desperately need wingers but if you get a chance to grab a guy like jeremy boga for relatively cheap i think you kind of have to take it and uh too he just changed agents to uh folly ramadani i think last week so if you're Fiorentina, that should basically serve as the dinner bell. You ought to, you ought to come looking for him. But yeah, that, that's it for the possible arrivals, I think. So I'm going to run down the possible departures now. I mean, again, zhirkovsky has been on his way out for months. It sounds like he does want to stay in Italy, which makes sense because he, he's been in the country for years now. So I think Bologna would be a, a perfect option for him. Uh, they don't really have anyone in midfield with his combination of energy and ball carrying. So he would definitely uh, fill a, a very different kind of function for them. Uh, the only downside is that I really wouldn't look forward to playing uh, against him twice a year because I still think that he's a really good player. So for selfish reasons, I'd love to see him move outside of Italy, but I don't I don't know if it'll happen. Uh Yusuf Mala, also pretty clearly fallen out of the rotation over the past month or so. Uh, I think you can see why, too. He had a really bad start to the season. Uh, I, I would not be surprised if he moved on, too. I, I I don't think it'll be a sale. I think it'll be a loan. Although I'm sure an option to buy would be fine with all parties involved. He, he just hasn't developed, I don't think, in the way that we'd hoped. And he offers nothing besides his deeply impressive tireless running off the ball. He's just a liability in possession. He's not strong enough in the tackle. He doesn't read the game quick enough and he's 24 now. So it, it feels like there's definitely still some talent there, but I think his ceiling as a player is a uh, rapidly descending. Uh, I think the most obvious candidate for a move is a, uh, of course, it's got to be Marco Benassi, which feels like something I've said for half a decade now. Uh, I mean, this year, it's just ridiculous. He's not even registered to play in Serie A uh, because the squad is too big. He's got zero resale value at this point, but a uh, move to a lower half Serie A club on loan feels pretty likely, uh, since I think he still probably can offer something. But after his failure to turn himself into a fullback in a couple of months, there's just clearly no future for him in Florence, which... 
which makes the fact that he signed an extension last year even more confusing. I don't I don't know what anyone was thinking there. Uh, also, he's only 28. 28. Oh, it just feels like he should be my age, at least. And I don't, I don't know. Just, God, what a weird career he's had. Uh, yeah, other, other guys, uh, Luca Ranieri probably should move somewhere, but I'm not sure that he will because he is an academy player and those guys are always valuable for squad registration purposes. Uh, poor guy is obviously not going to play for Fiorentina this year, barring like an Old Testament type of disaster. And he's always spoken about how much he wants to be on the field and starting regularly for whatever club he's with. So I, I do hope a loan materializes for him. But yeah, it, it wouldn't shock me if he and his mustache were still riding the bench at the end of the year. And then let's, oh boy, let's wrap this up with Pierluigi Gallini. I, I I really, really want to like Glorious because he's he's a hilarious character, right? He's the kind he's the kind of guy that makes Galcho genuinely fun, but it it just isn't working. Uh the nonstop errors in the conference league cost Fiorentina first place in the group. And it seems pretty clear that he just needs a reset. Uh Viola and Atalanta are supposedly in talks to terminate his loan early, which feels merciful. I still don't think he was a terrible gamble. You know, you've got a player who was really highly regarded. You got a chance to grab him for pretty cheap. You got to take that. But unfortunately, this is one of those gambles that didn't pay off. And that happens uh, even if it usually doesn't not happen as spectacularly as this. But unless Mikola Cerofolini is ready for a massive step up, and he only made one appearance in Serie B last season. Uh, this club's going to be in the hunt for another backup to Terracciano unless our lord and savior Antonio Rosati unretires for a few months, which, I mean, I would welcome, obviously, because he's the greatest player in the world. Uh, it's also a major concern for me. I think that Fiorentina need to get at least one of these guys, uh, Zhukovsky, Mala, Ranieri, Gallini, out the door before they can even register Castrovilli to play in Serie A. Uh, otherwise, one of those four guys is going to join Benassi in limbo, earning a salary to serve as a living, breathing dummy during training. I mean, I wouldn't be all that surprised if it happened, given that Fiorentina is in this mess due to its inability to offload surplus, surplus players. But it genuinely hurts the club's bottom line to keep paying salaries to players who aren't even allowed to, to play. And it makes it that much harder to bring in reinforcements and fall within FFP regulations. Uh, because of the squad crunch, everyone knows these guys are on the block, and it makes it makes it really easy to just make lowball offers for them too. So Fiorentina has zero leverage in any of these deals; they're not going to get anything back. I, I think they've hamstrung themselves in so many ways, and it's going to require a very busy January to fix this uh, entirely self-created obstacle. Uh, if Joe Brown and Daniela Prade can't extricate the team from this predicament, it'll be a pretty damning indictment of their time in charge. I would say that it would put them on notice, but I don't think that's realistically the case because this club just doesn't seem to run that way. And I, I fear for any organization in which failure and mediocrity don't herald sweeping changes. And so on that typically chipper note, I'm going to go ahead and sign off. Sorry to end that on a downer, but I mean, what do you really expect from a podcast whose catchphrase is, what are you drinking? I'll, uh, I'll catch you all next time. 
Thanks for listening to Viola Station, the podcast from Viola Nation. Viola Nation is a website in the SB Nation network. You can find us at violanation.com or on Twitter at viola underscore nation. Huge thanks to Windchime Weather for the music and to producer Mike for producing. Feel free to rate and review us on whatever service you're listening on and Forza Viola. Podcast Network.